and welcome to Susie Explores, a podcast with me, Susie Collier. Today, my guest is the wonderful and versatile singer and incredibly beautiful soul, Lisa Fisher. In our conversation together, we dig deep into what it means to perform, to give, to connect with audiences and band members alike. Lisa also talks about how it felt to be a backing singer for many of our best love musicians, including Tina Turner, Luther Vandross and the Rolling Stones, as well as being a renowned solo singer in her own right. When I first saw you and you breathed in to sing, I felt that you awakened not only yourself, but each and every one of us around you. So it was a kind of a like a collective breathing and coming alive. And I'm wondering how conscious you are of awakening yourself with literally the inhale that you take before you give in voice? I feel so conscious of it. I, it's my moment to quiet the, the voices, you know, of uh, fear and insecurity mm. and just the weight of the day, the weight of the year, whatever's going on in your mind that's weighing on you, just to um, be conscious of being present. And the breath for me is is that portal. And it's it stops time because I'm getting ready. I know that I'm getting ready to enter a space where it almost feels like there is no time. Even as I breathe in between phrases, it constantly, subtly reminds me like the circle of breath, the in and out, the water coming into the shore, the sucking up all the dirt and garbage and sand and sucking it into the sea and then making it tossed and play and do whatever it does and, and then coming back again this constant circle it just gives me peace and it it gives me this bed to be able to paint um the stories and the visuals through the music i think that makes sense i can't believe that you just said all that that was more than certainly one breath that you actually took to say that, but it was literally one inhale that inspired the thought. I love the idea of quietening the voices of fear and insecurity, because actually, with your description of the breath, we're taking in everything, aren't you? You said it's like the it's like the um, the sea and the and the seashore, and how it is able to suck in absolutely everything. And then we choose what we're going to be giving out. And I think that is a fascinating thing. And the idea that the breath is a portal is an incredible thing. So there's you and you're just about to sing something. <laughs> and maybe your day has not been absolutely fabulous. Maybe you, And maybe you have not had a good meal. And maybe all you've been able to do is to maybe go to the bathroom. But that's about it. So you've got to let go of everything and just do it. So you can't just do it. You've got to have the tools to do it. 
So what do you think are the tools that you need in order to let go and let it happen, but really, really do uh, an amazing job? I need to be connected to the musicians, or if it's just one musician, it's kind of like we're supporting each other. I can't, I feel like I can't do it without them. Yeah. And I feel the cradling that they're giving me in order to say, it's okay, go ahead, it's okay. You know, because yeah. I, I tend to feel that way when I'm working for other people. It's like, we got you no matter what state you're coming in, yeah. we've got you. You know, that's really important. I feel also having a connection with the audience too, because they, you know, they're there to escape and be entertained and um, hopefully forget their day, you know, or to be able to look at certain aspects of their day or life through the stories that you tell, through the melodies that you sing through the stories that you don't tell, you know, yeah. between that stuff too, you know. I love the idea of um, stories told and untold. Mm-hmm. That's a really beautiful thing. I don't think I've ever, ever put it like that or even heard it like that. So you're saying we're ready to kind of share the story and you're connecting with the audience and you're connecting with the musicians, but it's the stories that are untold. So how are we conveying the stories that are untold? It can be in a look, it can be in the silence, it could be in a moan, it could be in the solo that the musicians take. It's in touching someone in the audience, like physically touching them, um, looking deeply into their eyes, you know, because sometimes there's so much that's being said in the silence that People don't necessarily want to hear the words, but they want the acknowledgement that you get it, that you can feel what they're feeling in that moment. And then be, and therefore be sensitive to it in the way that you give back to them. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, you know how like you'll talk to someone and maybe someone close to someone has passed away and they may tell you about like so-and-so passed away. And a lot of times they may not want to discuss anything. They may not want to talk about how it happened, how it's affecting them or anything. They just want to let you know that it happened. And after that moment of them stating it, just looking at them and just sort of kind of taking their spiritual or emotional temperature Mm is all they need, you know, just in the silence of that, you know, in a hug, you know, to me, the the melodies are like a hug, you know, they can be a cradling. Yeah, there's just, there's healing in in things that don't have words sometimes. And I, I like to kind of use both according to what feels right in the moment, you know. But it's interesting if we're coming back to solely thinking of singing a song, that isn't a vocalese that is and it's not scat it's actually with words that are universal for those who understand language 
there are still so many ways in which you can express those words depending on who you see and how you see them and how they're viewing you in there. But it's quite interesting because your art form is all about conveying a story and an awful lot about is about using words, whereas I don't. I don't in the way that I give. And I wonder whether there are certain words of certain songs that stick with you and they bring solace to you when times are hard or actually the day isn't going so well. Are there words that stick with you? Because Blumenek, I should think that you've got an absolute library full in here, but I wonder what sticks with you at moments of 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 need and maybe silence, actually. A friend of mine, I mean, I don't think anybody really knows this song, but it's uh, it was written by Chris Walker and it's called Everything Will Be All Right. And I think he says, because uh, everything will be all right in the morning. Everything will be all right. I know it. Just that feeling of like how he sings it his voice when he sings it, the honesty in his voice, the reassurance always makes me feel at peace when I think of him singing that melody. Or if I think of a, a spiritual, amazing grace, I mean, it's pretty popular, but just something about, you know, we use the word amazing a lot. We do, we do. And so sometimes it can hit you as a numb word, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But when you think about just how precious having the gift of grace, it, I don't know, it brings me back to being a kid in church, you know. Mm -hmm. The repetition of, of, of the humming and the singing in the church and just... I don't know. It 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 it's almost like you get these flashes of pictures in your mind and and you think of I think of like, you know, being in church and I could smell the food being cooked in the basement by the mothers of the church where they're after church everyone goes in and they share a meal. And so you can you know, in between the tears and the preaching and the and the words of inspiration, you've got all these smells of fried chicken and collard greens and you can smell the cloves and the cinnamon and the sweet potato and just all this kind of stuff. It's just all these things are like these pictures that bring me peace. So an awful lot of what we've spoken about so far, and actually this is true when we met as well, I think you talk an awful lot in very nurturing terms. And it's interesting to think of little Lisa really knee-high to a grasshopper, experiencing that church community. And you've already talked about the singing and the repetition and the humming. So there's obviously this amazing vocal tradition and you're within that situation, which sounds like a pretty safe situation for you to be in. It was. Uh, 
Because all the adults, all the mothers in the church would be watching all the kids and making sure that they were doing the right thing. And if you're doing the wrong thing, they let your mother know. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. Know. So you you felt safe, like nothing could happen to you in the church, you know, at least for me. How long did that feeling of safety in your life last and did you feel that there were um other safe places other than the church when you were that small so it's kind of there are two thoughts that are coming to me simultaneously here uh i'd feel safe within the walls of the church after that it's like back into the real world you know you go back to your building you go back into your apartment you go back into the streets and you're dealing with all the fears and all the drama you know I mean, for me, it was mostly, um, you know, growing up in a neighborhood, I didn't like to fight. Um, I didn't want to hurt anybody because I felt that if I were to unleash that anger, I didn't know how far it would go. Okay, yeah. You know, because I just felt so um, peed on and beat up and, you know, it was it was physical, you know, you get beat up and folks just pick on you and whatever. So, you know. It's just the normal kid stuff, but it got to a point where I was just like, I don't even want to go outside. I don't even want to deal with this madness. You know, I just, it didn't resonate with me. And so I spent a lot of time listening to records at home and feeling safe within the music. That's where I felt the safest. Is it true to say that if you went back to where that home was, does it feel better in that part of Brooklyn now than it did when you were growing up? I think it does now because I'm older and I can sort of see my growth, mm-hmm. see the growth of, of, of the others around me during that time. I remember going to a show, performing at a show in Brooklyn, just some years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. And one of the kids that actually used to beat me up was at the show, <laughs> her and her friend. Um, it was a weird feeling because at first my, my physical instinct was like, oh God, what now? You know? Yes. And her whole energy had shifted. I had already done the show and she had a loving energy that was asking for forgiveness. And, uh, and she spoke lightly about that. And I was just like, you know, we were kids. We were kids. It's okay. And I think that healed her. And to be able to be in that position to heal her healed me. Mm. So, it's, uh, you know, and so I now with that, I always imagine, you know, anyone, you know, usually kids are playing in a sandbox or whatever, and they're sort of feeling like, yeah, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. And then they, you know, a few minutes later, they're playing again. For some reason, it's like when I, when I got older, I would hold on to those things that you know people did it's like and remember that as opposed to letting go like children let go you know they let go yes. in a different way than we do but also you have said that you were not somebody who was going to hit back because you just felt to unleash that power you just you know you don't know um your limit and i think none of us know our limits i think it's not just you i think that's a universal thought but I think it's interesting for those who are just listening to this, because when you were talking about this lovely, lovely person who was in the audience um, with whom you had a healing experience, your instinct was to say, 
what now? And you crossed your, you crossed your arms in a really protective way across your chest as if to say, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the barrage. So it must have been quite a habitual thing growing up to experience that. But I think in holding on to it, I think in one sense, it's not surprising that you held on to it for a while, partly because as a really young person, you didn't have the kind of, let's get out and defend myself. You didn't have any of that. So you were literally storing it all up in here. And I think we do need to process it, acknowledge it, and then let it go, which perhaps you weren't quite capable of because you were holding so much. I think that's really possible. I was just like, oh. so it's like, for me, I would always look for opportunities for joy. That was always, and even if, if nothing happened, just opportunities of joy is fun. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like something you always kind of want to do. Yeah. It is definitely something you always want to do. So Lisa being a small thing, knee high to a grasshopper, gets a bit taller. And um, she presumably has to go to school and do all the things that school people do. And I wonder, I wonder when that all changed. I wonder... When you left the school environment, when home changed, when you moved away, what actually happened in those years after being that smaller person? My dad left home. He was, both my parents were young parents. And so I think he still had a lot of growing up to do and choices to make for his journey in life. And so he decided he wanted to leave. I was devastated. My mom was devastated. It really affected my mom deeply. And then my mother passed away. And I think at that point, being the oldest child, I kind of felt like, okay, I got to get out of here and figure this out quick, you know? So then I went to college, got out of college, and then decided to work in clubs because I knew music is what I wanted to do. And just building relationships within the the vocal community, the musicians mm. community in New York was really healthy for me. I had never really traveled. I never had a passport. My first gig was with the Crystals. And I used to listen to their records. My parents had given me, you know, their records and Motown records and all this stuff. So it, I was familiar, but through my parents' history, which was kind of cool. And just learning, you know, I've gone to music and art and just understanding the relationship between notes and um, vibrations of notes together and um, harmonies when we would sing in the choir and just the shift in the room when a certain note would hit would just kind of open a whole nother energy and I'm just like so cool Mm. this is where I want to be and just supporting other people being supportive it wasn't really, it's like singing lead was cool, but I, I really enjoyed the background thing a lot. Well, there's a lot, there's masses to talk about in there, but I really love the fact that you've just said um, when a note hits an energy, because I think that a lot of people in this world are going to say, I don't think I'm capable of experiencing that because I'm I'm not Lisa. I, I don't know what it is to experience that. And I really believe that everybody can experience that 
hit and that openness of energy. And it can come in so many different ways. It's not as though it's going to be a high B. It's going to be anything and in any context, but you'll be surprised by joy. Yeah. And it's beautiful to watch someone experience that. I was at a a conference for people who owned businesses and they wanted me to come and talk about just harmony, Mm. you know, and to me how that relates in being harmonious within a job. And after the talk, a gentleman came up to me and he mentioned that he had a teacher who they were singing and the teacher told him, don't sing, don't sing, you don't sound good, don't sing. I was just like, First of all, let me apologize to you for that. That was so wrong. I was like, everybody's got a a voice, a singing voice, you know? I was like, you should sing. You should should vibrate sound. It's like vibrate, you know? Like sing happy birthday. And he was like, I would really love to sing to my wife. I said, you can do that. You can definitely do that. And then he, he sent me a message. Somehow now, somehow another he got a message to me and told me that he actually got the nerve to sing to his wife and just how beautiful it was and how beautiful it was for her. And I was just like, oh my God, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so here we go. We can experience a note that somebody else is singing or giving or playing or a harmonic chord, but you're also saying how important it is to find your own voice in there, which is really something really so huge. And I'm thinking back to your young days when you say as the oldest child, you know, you 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 got out quick and um you were building relationships in the in the vocal world and that felt really good. But you must have known by that point that you had something that, to give that was genuinely your own voice. Did you? I I wasn't sure. I wasn't really sure. I felt a burning, a desire. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if people would hear it in the way I was trying to give it. I was, you know, I was trying my best to just give from my heart and share from my heart. And I'm finding now that people connect to that energy more necessarily than the sound of my voice. Like, you know how like somebody can sing a note and the sound of their voice is really pretty, but if you don't feel the intent behind it, it's a pretty sound. And that's good too, but I just wanted more. I wanted to share more than just a pretty sound. I wanted to share um, information within that sound. So the intent behind each note is incredibly vital. And it's something that is attainable for every single person who is trying to make a sound and trying to find their own voice. But I wonder how much you feel that the technique that you have and you've built up over these years, 
how important that is to expressing what's in your heart, what's in your soul, and to put it out in a way that you really, really want to give it. Huge. It's kind of like having uh, as many kinds of paint as possible and um, different size brushes because the brushes are kind of like, I don't know, they're kind of like the wings and paint is the color that you leave on somebody and um, the palette is the people, you know, and so you want to leave as much paint, strokes, breath and splashes and just you want to leave marks everywhere you know i think you do so tell me have you ever had the chance to be in front of a plain huge canvas with as many physical paints as possible covering your hands or getting a load of brushes in your hand have you lisa have you ever done that only when i was super little you know like the finger painting and stuff like that but I would love to do that as, as an adult. That would be fun, actually. Then that's what we need to do. I think that's a. I think it's a really good thing. I think we could have a lot of fun, and it's a really, really important means of expression. And isn't it nice to embrace other ways of expressing other than the ones that we know? Yeah, it's like I would be interested in seeing like a concert where everybody has an easel. Yeah. And- canvas and and probably something that dries fast like like magic mark or something that dries fast and they can just use the colors and paint according to what they hear and then they have this picture that they can kind of take home you know i've thought a lot about that for many many decades um and in fact in the lockdown i did an awful lot of this of just thinking right okay what i'm going to do is i'm just going to listen to a piece of music and i'm going to i'm going to express it and uh and with different groups of people we have tried that and it's a it's a fascinating thing but i love the idea of everybody coming into a gig and you're all you're all given this thing everybody's got the same thing and you're just going to you're just going to see what comes out wouldn't it be wonderful to have an audience and to empower them to say, look, there are no right answers here. You don't have to write words. You don't have to write in this color. You don't have to do anything. You can just do what you want. And in essence, I wonder whether that is the epitome of the most wonderful self-expression to be able to just not, not worry, just to not worry. Yeah. Because boy, I tell you, from the moment we open our eyes, it's like, Okay, first I'm taking inventory how do I feel. Okay, okay. Everything's good. Is everybody I love? Good? Everybody good? Okay. What do I have to do today? What do I have to face today? Yeah. We're constantly worrying. We're constantly living outside of the moment we're in. That's right. That's not so cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the music helps for me with that because then I can go... I love the idea of constantly, I don't love the idea. I think you've just put a concept that's really difficult for us all into beautiful form, constantly living out the moment we are in. And so if we're living out of the moment, then we're not in the moment. And you're saying that it's that moment when you literally, it's that breath that we talked about at the beginning. And then you're just going to be in the moment because there is absolutely no choice to do anything else. Okay, so I'm going to be really honest. 
When you when you disappeared off the face of the earth, I had a uh, think about how it felt, um, how it has felt so far to speak to you. And I came up with three tiny phrases and they were big range because you do literally for those who don't know you your range is ridiculous big heart but big connection so I came up with three bigs and you might say oh that doesn't really that really doesn't size me up properly but it's what came to me when you disappeared how do you feel about the fact that I've said that I feel honored and seen and grateful and you know it's I almost feel like people also see a part of themselves in you, you know? I was thinking about you right after I was like saying, oh yeah, I need to, you know, get in the, wash my face and like get the crust out of my eyes. And I thought, she is, what's the word I was going to use? It's big, it was, it had to do with your talent, but your soul, and then it was about, how bright, bright talent, bright spirit. That's what I think about with you. Yes, right. You just, even the sound of your voice is just, it's like the rain is dancing in the sun on the windowsill. That's what your voice sounds like to me. It's just so beautiful and glorious and then you know there's like a rainbow hanging out somewhere if you just look for it it's out there it's you i feel very honored in like i really do and it brings me back to when we did first meet and it was at a very particular time because this was the summer before covid and we were both involved in doing the nina simone prom I was I was just playing the fiddle and you were there. You were there not as a backing vocalist, um, but you were there to really, really shine. And I just remember that we had a conversation and it wasn't because you were big and important and and what a superstar. Even though you are all those things, I was just absolutely drawn to what I felt you were genuinely giving, which was from the absolute bottom of your soul. It was just everything was really coming out there. Now, that was a very special concert, wasn't it? It was for me on so many levels. I mean, Lettucey wanted me to be a part of it, and I love and respect her so much. Oh, amazing, yes. And she's an amazing artist. And just her, the way that her soul speaks through her body is is unique and special. And, um, you know, the whole orchestra thing was just like, you know, it was just insane. Yes. What an amazing orchestra. And the uh, conductor. Lovely Jules. I know. Yes, Jules is, is a very, very special human being. And he's so sensitive and he's so... He was he, he really listened and he and he just cared about everybody feeling good and, and the music being good mm. and choosing all these special souls to be together and actually performing on that stage uh, where Nina Simone had performed. I believe she had also performed uh, there and uh, Luther Vandross also performed there. Yes, indeed. Was, yeah, it was special for me. It was just like 
just trying to be open to the energy that was. Was that your first gig in the Royal Albert Hall? It was my second for sure. It might have been my third. But um, I was there with Luther Mm -hmm. Vandross. So, yeah, would be my second, I think, that I'm aware of. It's an incredibly special round place, isn't it? The ceiling. I know. Yeah, it was, yeah. Truly, truly special. So we met there and actually I really felt that you inhabited the space and you really inhabited space in a really full way, which meant that we felt very safe actually with you. Coming back to all your nurturing ideas at the beginning of our conversation, I felt that we felt safe when you sang. So it it goes, it really goes two ways. But as you alluded to earlier on, you have got a particular deep love for being the backing vocalist. And I mean, it's it's really interesting to dip into 20 feet from stardom. And if you don't know this, folks, you really do need to actually have a watch as you really understand these wonderful backing vocalists and really what it's like. I think it's a brilliant title as well. But you have obviously done so many different flavours of things. You continue to do various flavours of things. But why is it that the role of backing vocalist, why is that so you? Why do you love that perhaps more than anything else? It's a way to be a comma and a period within the story. It's a wonderful way to be the common period of a story. It's like whenever I listen to records as a kid, I always listen to the background. I always, there's a record called um, Tossing and Turning, Turning and Tossing. I tossed and I turned all night. I want to say his name was Bobby, God, Bobby Lewis, I think. But anyway, the, the backgrounds were like, Tossing and Turning, Turning and Tossing, Tossing and I Turned on Night. It was like, Okay. And then it wouldn't just be that voice. It would be a whole bunch of them in their timbre and their whole thing would be totally different than the lead vocalist. You know, it's just, oh, I don't know. To, to me, the background, the way the background would play and, and have a breath and they got to be the audience, but they also got to be a participant. Yes. You know, um, the way that they, you know, kind of, it's kind of like, I was going to say pawns, but not quite pawns. It's like you have the king and the queen, and that's the lead vocalist, and and you're there, and you're surrounding them, and you're protecting them. You are. There we are. You know, I like that feeling, and I like it when the king wants to come out and, like, do what they do, you know? So that's interesting because, once again, you're supporting and you're you're nurturing, which is obviously what comes out of every pore of your being, which I think is deeply wonderful. So honestly, you have been a backing vocalist for so many people. And this year, obviously, we're really remembering Tina. I just can't really, I can't really kind of take it in really. But I, 
I don't know how that must be feeling for you right now. Such raw news and um, in a sense for all us on the outside, such a huge shock. It, I felt numb because I think I was dealing with my own thoughts of just wanting to hold on to someone so precious. Mm. She is such an inspiration to so many people without even realizing it on so many levels, you know? And she, um, she's done so much with her life, the way that she used the clay that she had and made something beautiful out of it, you know, no matter how many times that clay may have needed to be broken down and turned into dust again and add water and be molded and dried and spinned on the wheel and, you know, built up again and then baked and, you know, whatever it is she had to go through. And I got the feeling just from the things that she would say or interviews that I saw that she knew her purpose, that she was so focused, like an arrow. Yeah. Target of what she wanted and was going to figure out how do I make this happen. Yeah. You know, it's like for a, a, a woman in her 30s, 40s, who's looking at her, who's a singer and is trying to figure out how do I survive in a business that feels that I should be 16 to 25 and older than 30? Because I got signed when I was like 28 or 29. And at that point, they kind of thought I was too old to have a record deal. And, you know, I'm thinking, sure, I'm just getting warmed up. You know what I mean? I'm just figuring out who I am. Um, but yeah, to watch her rebirth herself over and over and over again to the point where she's like, okay, I'm going to retire and I mean it. You know, to me, <laughs> uh, I was like, retire? Is there such a thing as retiring in music? You know, it's such a part of my life's blood. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I just, I couldn't imagine, like, can you be sane as a musician and retire? Can you can you do that? I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. I remain completely unconvinced. Yeah. And so I felt it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around the fact that she had a beautiful relationship with the circle of life, that she did what she came here to do, and that she was just here enjoying her life and was curious about what would be next. Yes. And I had to sort of absorb, and it took me a while to absorb and respect that thought. And it's so crazy because as much as this earth has been here and humans have been on it, and as much as we've all had to live this circle of life, and, and, and end the circle of life that we still, it's such an individual walk that mm. there's no one book on how to live it and get to the end of it and be okay. You know, 
It's like it's an individual fingerprint. Everybody's got their own journey that they've they've got to live, and they don't know what the story is going to be at the end. You know, you can plan and plan and plan, and yeah, at seventy five, I'm going to be living in Spain, and I'm gonna, you know, have a house and an island and a, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, imagine. And I keep thinking, yeah, those are great things to have a list of, of you know, yes. bucket list to do. But I think the most important thing is to have that joy and that peace and that presence of being in the moment, being in these moments and not taking these moments for granted, you know. And it's her life is a reminder of that for me. And to be able to honor her and just you know sing her melodies but not try to be her yes you know because there will never be another no you know there'll never be another one of any of us you know so to be able to do that here especially in america where she felt she would do better in another country and more appreciated in another country Mm felt good to let her know that there are people here too that love and appreciate her life and her legacy you know it was great to be invited uh ray chu was uh, was a musical director who invited me to come and uh, kelly say uh she, i think she sang background for teen at some point mm-hmm. and uh, jenny douglas who also sang background for her and uh, stacy campbell who was who's on the road with Pink right now, but she was the person that I stood next to with Tina for, for those shows. And I was just like, oh my God. Just to be able to have her give us notes about how she wanted her stuff sung. Yes. She, it's a whole different school than what I grew up in. And so it was an opportunity to really listen, you know. In what way was it different? You know, I did. It was, you know, I was, I was more about. Gee, um, I'm singing a third of the note. Okay, so I start on the third, and I go here, and, and so mm-hmm. I have the map of the notes in my head, so I can remember all the masses of mm-hmm. information I need to memorize. She was more about how does this feel? How does this feel? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and she might have sang a part to me two or three times and sang it different note wise each time. Yeah, but the energy the same every single time she she to me she always sang like it was the last time she was going to be singing and luther had that too luther had that thing where it's like if this is the last note i ever sing i'm gonna make this good and every single note he didn't take for granted and she didn't take for granted that this could be the last time so give it everything you have you know that is that's huge that's huge it is huge I find that certain musicians find it easier to understand that concept of really playing something as though it's your last. And it's not a frightening or a dreadful thing to consider. I think some people are quite frightened of that concept. And yet it's, again, a complete reminder that just be, if you are completely within that musical moment, you'll know exactly how to give. If you're concentrating on what other people are going to be thinking about you or what's going to be happening in a moment or am I showing my best side, you are not going to be capable of giving everything as though it's the last thing you play. 
when I was just listening to you speak, I think the fear, we have all these fears and, and, and you know, if, if, if this is the last moment that we have, the fear is for me, did I do everything I was meant to do while I was here? Mm -hmm. Did I get it all out? Did mm -hmm. I, did I hopefully give something of myself that will inspire others to live their best lives, their yeah. best moments? You know, did I make someone smile? Did I, you know, did I give my best? I think that tends to be the thing. Like when you get to the end of the line, you're kind of like, did I do everything I wanted to do? Did I impact the world the way I wanted to? You know, even if it's a teeny part of the world, you know, yeah. I agree and I understand. And I think that what you're saying is absolutely what many of us will feel in that moment. But I think the, in answer to the rhetorical questions, did I get it all out or did I say everything that I wanted to say? In one sense, it's fine that the answer is no. Mm, yeah. Because you've given only what you can in any given moment. So that does, your life does not need that judgment when you get to the end of it or at any time, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel your heart. You know, <laughs> I think the thing about um, the concept of reincarnation can make me feel like, oh, I'll get it on the next lifetime. <laughs> That's delicious, that is. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, will that make me lazy in this lifetime? What if I was wrong about that? <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, you know, any life that you get, any life that you remember, any, you know, those uh, things that people talk about where they go, I'm having a deja vu. Some people say, oh, that was from another lifetime or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, any anything is possible. I almost wish that we could remember our existences. Like, even the birthing part, even the part where you're in your mother's belly tumbling and giving her gas or whatever. It would be amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> that would be so cool. I mean, I do have memories of, like, being really, really little, like, super little, like, being potty trained little, you know. That's good. And, like, yeah, learning how to, you know, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, but that's that's as far as it goes. Yeah. I think there is nothing to say to that because I really love the idea that all these ideas have just been put out there. You don't need a response from me. You just left me just feeling that I wanted to consider all these things. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all this came from thinking about life and death and, and dear Tina. And that all came from the idea of you really loving being a backing vocalist and how you can help nurture and give and um, feed into. But how different was it working for, I mean, there's Luther, who you've mentioned several times, and there's the Stones, who you worked with for so many years. 
And, you know, I think you don't work for somebody for an awful long time unless it feels right and unless you feel that you can be you within it. But how did it feel? You, I mean, it's, it's over so many of your growing years were with that band. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It was interesting because the way that the tours would work out timing-wise was just divine. You know, when Luther would have a tour, the Stones weren't working. Oh. The Stones were working. Luther didn't have a tour. So okay. it kind of did this the whole time until it didn't. Yes, okay. Um, but, you know, to work for Luther, he, he was, he loved the music so much. He loved his audience so much. He wanted to be able to just give them his best. That made him happy. And he wanted your best. And you wanted to give it to him. Oh, I'm sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And he was, you know, he used to be a school teacher. And so he had a, you know, specific way of teaching parts. And and I just, I just loved how he asked for color changes in, in what we would do. You know, he would have us sometimes, you know, there would be the long rehearsals before the tour, but then also to during the tour, he may wake up one day and go, you know, I want to hear something different. Yeah. All right. Right before you go on stage, he may throw you a different part. Yes. And I'm like, I gotta learn this right now. Okay. All right. Uh. Gotcha. Got it. I'm doing steps and doing this. I was like, what did you tell me? Okay. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's like, I have this like number system in my head. And I also have this like, um, like one note connecting to the next of like a so like a, a a visual representation like a graphic score of the shape of the notes going up and down like joining the dots in a curve yeah okay. exactly because sometimes the information would come so quickly it's like <laughs> I need a photograph yeah so you made it yeah and so I would have the, the photograph of, of how that movement went so that I could go back to it when I needed it so yeah, that was a lot of fun to be able to find a way to remember um, and also remembering your heart to how he wanted it to feel. Absolutely. But then we're coming back to Tina again as well, which is, you know, how does it feel? And you've got to, you've got to be so secure in what you're kind of doing technically and what you're doing with your memory to be able to release and give it how it is needing to be felt at that moment. So we got Tina and we got Luther. And what about the Stones? Oh, my God. That, now that's interesting in a, in a full circle sense for me because the way that the backing vocals would be reproduced was totally different than how Luther's music would be reproduced. You know, Luther would say, here's how I put everything together and here's how I want you to sing it. Mick, on the other hand, would be... Like, I'm going to sing when I sing and let's hear what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yes. So, you know, he wasn't the guy to go, gee, you're going to sing, you know, the fifth below C. No, no, know. no, no, no. You know, wasn't that guy. He was about how did it feel? How yes. does it feel? And I kept trying to make it math in my head. And that was not working. That was not working for that band. I was on stage with um, Bernard Fowler, who is like, love, 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 love him. Amazing vocalist and artist and, and and just was my foray into how to sing the Stones music. He was so good at it because he got it from, you know, 
how Luther would do it, but he also got it from just his natural instinct, which was what Mick was about. Mm. Mick and, and, and the whole band, really. And uh, and so, you know, they're trying to teach me, you know, trying to teach me the song. And Mick is going, I was like, but you're singing the band. And he needed to look at me and kind of shake his head. And and then Bernard swooped in. He was like, Fish, think Funkadelic. I was like, Funkadelic? He's like, yeah. It clicked. I was like, girl, if you don't stop trying to count these notes and just feel the music, you're going to be fine in about five minutes. (laughs) He was just like, girl, let that go. Just find a vibe, find the vibe. And so that kind of opened me up to be, to find the vibe, find the vibe. And so I would listen to the records and I would try to sop up whatever gravy I could from that. And then I would listen to Bernard, I'd listen to Mick, and then I would adjust accordingly. Look at that. Aren't you so lucky that you're given that particular way in? It feels very raw. It could have potentially felt very scary, but you just got in there and you did embrace it. They gave me the space. Thank God for that. Having the safety of space Mm. to do that and time is a gift. You know, because I'm sure there was probably a lot of things he probably said, "Ah, it's not quite right yet, but give it a little time to get it, you know. So I was really lucky that they gave me the time. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, using the concepts of giving time, when actually putting something together is always high octane, there's only a certain amount of time. But it just shows that I think that we can give each other the time, even within a conversation, and even within something that feels very, very busy and full of traffic of all kinds. You can still grant somebody else time and space i love you your your traffic i love that word it just came well no it just came to me i think you just inspired that it was it's yeah because boy feel like you're in the middle of the fdr yeah drive you're like it's like am i gonna be able to drive this car and not crash yeah, but you've got to be positive. You can't be, you, you know, you've got to, you, you can't be passive in it. You've got to be really positive and then you'll go forward and then people will understand what you're doing and then they're going to react to you, whether it's on the road or within a song. Yeah, it's crazy. Plus, I was trying to figure out, you know, a lot of these vocals for the, for the band were male vocals. How for do sure. I, t- yeah, how do I tuck my female energy into this boy band? You know, and it made me think of my dad because I, you know, some parts of my voice is like my father's. Mm. So I was kind of pulling in that energy and also just leaning in and, and knowing how to blend from Luther and pulling that into what they would do. Like even if it's a woo, 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 right? I could be a female and go, I could be more boyish. Woo, 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 woo. Just think more dude. You know what I mean? So it's just like I had to find the right colors that worked with their energies. And, you know, every phrase, every 
little thing was just so important to me. Like, I have to get the right color for this band along with the right energy. But then maybe this is what makes you so intuitive, so connected to other people and so able to make connections because you've practiced it and you will continue to practice it, whether it's with Grand Baton or whoever you're working with as a leading light or as a backing vocal. You are adapting the whole time and you're actively listening and then being able to see perhaps what kind of color you can give. So experimenting with colour, it's coming back to the idea that when we do see each other in your homeland, I think we should have some time with with at least pencil and paper. I think it would be fantastic. Lisa, we could talk for hours and I can't wait to come and see you in your homeland. And um, I have a feeling that that'll happen fairly soon. But thank you so much for giving so much of yourself to all of us. You're an angel, and I'm so happy that you are using the spirit of who you are to do what you're doing. It's just, it's, it's beautiful, it's playful, and it's, it's soulful, and it's, it's heartfelt, and it's full of information, and it's just, I, I, I love watching you and, and hearing you. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for this time that we've been able to experience together. Can't wait until the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on board for this conversation. There are many more I can't wait to share with you. So do click the subscribe button. And if you want to come and find me, find me on Instagram or Patreon. And I definitely hope to see you here really soon. Thanks so much.